You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 32 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. What's cracking? So I'm doubling up on you this week. We began the week with a tremendous conversation with former NFL returned performance coach Eric Wood. I knew you all would love him, and I was right. The feedback for that conversation has been absolutely tremendous. So if you have not had a chance to listen to that one, I would encourage you to do so when you get the opportunity. And speaking of opportunity, I was really anxious to reconnect with this week's guest, Gabrielle Reese. Now, if you know Gabby and her background, she requires no introduction at all. If you don't know her, Gabby, like many of my guests, is an absolute force of nature. And anyone who meets or knows her knows this about her. I knew at the moment we first met, when I started my TV career in the early to mid-90s on what was then a startup network, ESPN2. She came on that program, and I knew it the second I met her. Lots of it. A really uncommon individual. Now, if you're not familiar with Gabby, she is a former professional athlete, a supermodel, now a supermom and wife, a New York Times bestselling author, an international fitness and wellness expert, and to me, a brilliant mind and soul. Honestly, while everybody I speak to on this podcast is rare and unique, Gabby really is uncommon, so much so that I'll be honest, prior to this conversation, we had not spoken in a number of years, and I was actually hoping that she had remembered our prior discussions, was actually hoping that there would still be some kind of connection, because the truth is, I am on a personal journey here. Everybody that I book on this podcast is either somebody I want to meet or somebody I already know but want to chop it up with once again. But they're all people that I'm looking to connect with. So the truth is, I was thrilled when Gabby asked my producer Tom before the interview, how long have Jim and I known each other? She remembered, and then she proceeded to absolutely tear it up like she did nearly three decades ago when we first met. I mean, so much so that I hated for this conversation to end. I know you'll feel the same way. This truly is gold. It is episode 32 of the Reinvention Project with my guest, Gabby Reese, and it's coming at you right now. So, Gabby, time is so strange. For instance, it blows my mind to see that you and Laird have been married 26 years. The only thing more bizarre than that is that you and I actually met earlier than that when you were a guest on my first ever TV show, Talk 2 on ESPN2 in 1993-94. I don't know about you. I'm not exactly sure where 30 years went, but I am sure that it's great to speak with you once again and got caught up. Gabby, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? How is everything? Great. I, I was just reminiscing that I was like, wow, it's close to 30 years. So absolutely. You know, that's like the grace of getting to be doing what you like to be doing, even if you change the iteration. So, you know, I think that is extremely well said. Listen, before we talk about some of the things that you're working on right now, if you could, can you go back because you have worked so hard to create an amazing life for yourself and your family and you make it look easy, but of course nothing is, including your childhood. Like take us back. Where did you grow up and what was that like? Um, okay, well, I'll, I'll try to do that quickly. I, I, Well, when I was very small, like two years old, I know it sounds strange, I actually lived in Mexico City. Uh, my parents met in California. My father's from Trinidad. My mother's from New York. They met in California and um, they didn't really stay together. Uh, so when I was two, I think what was impactful about living in Mexico City is I caught whooping cough. And so that sort of prompted a, a journey uh, where I lived in Long Island uh, with childhood kind of neighborhood friends of my mother, a couple. Uh, I call them my aunt and uncle Joe and um, I lived with them for five years. And then during that time, actually my father passed away. And then I was moved, uh, moved in back with my mom when I was seven in the Caribbean, in the Virgin islands where I was raised. And I consider that a real blessing for a number of reasons. One being, I think that you have a different perspective when you're raised on an Island. I think I could relate to my biological father's culture much better because that was the way, he, you know, he grew up. And, um, and then I was moved to Florida my junior year of high school, which is when I got involved uh, pretty, pretty more seriously with athletics. So I understand that this is not an easy question to answer because there was so much in there and so much in a challenging childhood. I kind of chuckled, Gabby, because you said it may seem unusual, but when I was small, when I was two, you know, body image is obviously so critical to all of us. Mm -hmm. What was it like 
when you were six feet tall when you were 12? Were people like, Gabby, that is so cool. Or maybe did they say other things? Uh, Yeah, I think the latter. I think, you know, when you go to a new school and, you know, you're already trying to be smaller and they think you're a substitute teacher, not one of the students, Um, you know, and again, that's always the case. It's the liberation of I of trying to fit in. So I abandoned that really early in my life because it just wasn't, especially physically, it wasn't going to happen. And then we all grow up and we're all trying to differentiate ourselves from other people. So I think as difficult as that was, um, it was a real gift of, and also um, not reacting to what other people thought, because if you fast forwarded and I ended up at six foot three by 15, and then I went into working when I was playing college volleyball, I was also in fashion. What was interesting for me is then all of a sudden it was like, oh, you're amazing. And I was like, well, how could it be six months ago? You know, you're sort of a freak and now it's amazing. So that also teaches you you better understand how you feel about yourself and kind of try to modify any input from the outside, unless it's somebody who really deeply cares about you and, um, and is looking out for you. By the way, you are amazing. That is an amazing answer. And I'm just going to kind of jump around and follow you around. I was going to ask you about this later on, but I think because you made such a great point. Like I had this great conversation with Eric Wood last week, who's a former NFLer. And he, you know, like you, he's a really high level athlete or played professional sports. His point is it's really, really important to compete. Even now, all of us, important to compete, but not compare. So when you realized at a very early age that you were not going to look like everybody else, what did that do to your mindset? I just think you take the energy out of that bucket and you, I think you get it, you, you know, this whole notion of going inwards, right? And if you had told me that when I was 13, 14 or 15, I would have been like, oh brother. But I think that that was a byproduct where it was like you going inside and sort of really understanding how do I feel? What do I like? What interests me? And, um, and I, I don't think it was intentional. It was just sort of a, an, an, a, a, a response to kind of my environment. I think a lot of you can relate to what I'm about to say right now. There are so many small business owners that are busier than ever. And time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing that business. That's the dilemma. And this is why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get to the candidates worth interviewing faster. And it is free. It is not only hard to find good candidates, it's hard to find the time to find good candidates. That's why LinkedIn is here. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million million people. That way you can focus on candidates with the skills and the experience that you need. And you can use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then you use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you want to interview and hire. I use it all the time. I spend a lot of time on the site. It's seamless. It's easy. It's productive. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. Did you know that every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers go to LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Rome. That's linkedin.com slash R-O-M-E to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. So, Gabby, like you think when you and I first met, like a long, long time ago, we were younger and I don't want to speak for you, but I, I know how I was. You know, I was pretty brash and I had a chip on my shoulder and I was going really, really hard. Full transparency, I don't get caught up in comparing myself to other people now, but I sometimes do get hooked comparing myself to the younger version of myself. I mean, after all, the podcast that you're appearing on right now is entitled The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Like, I'm trying to figure out, Gabby, my mission is to ensure that the next 25 years of my life are my best 25 years of my life, that the best life is still in front of me and not behind me. I'm a little bit older than you, so let me ask you this, because you've had an absolute amazing life professionally and personally do you personally believe in your heart of hearts that the best is in front of you and not behind you and if so what's your process for ensuring that i think well i think there's a there's a series of things you know i think number one you you hear in life um the word connection so it doesn't mean 
married with children. It could mean meaningful relation, friendships and other. But I think I understand and there's science and data suggesting connection. So first and foremost is, is investing in and showing up for and participating in real relationships, uh, regardless of what, whatever you do. Um, the other thing is, is it's over, right? Like yesterday is yesterday. And so I think to, to be hardwired to look at um, who, who you are now and who you are trying to continue to become. Mm. I think staying curious and learning because that leads you, right? Like you hear people saying, oh, they're reinventing themselves. Well, that is strategic and can be oftentimes inauthentic and you could arrive at a place that doesn't genuinely reflect who you really are. But I think when you, when you sort of proceed into life with genuine curiosity and lean into those things, for the reason, your real reasons, not like, well, I could get rich or I can continue to get attention. Um, you, I think you end up arriving at places that feel really good to you because listen, in the game of getting attention, it comes and goes. And sometimes it comes and goes away for a long time. Sometimes it comes back a little, sometimes, you know, it's just, it's not the, the great metric to sort of make decisions off of. So for me, I've just always done that. And coming from a small sport, you know, I always had to hustle and have other skill sets. And that was helpful. Um, and build a life, a real life, a, a, like one when no one's paying attention, that excites you. I love that. Build a life when nobody's paying attention, a life that excites you. All right. So like we're all chasing happiness and I'm sure we would all describe it or define it differently. How do you define happiness? What makes you happy? You know, I always have felt that I was never, I was never chasing happy. I have in certain ways a, a pretty, um, uh, my personality is such that peace has always uh, really resonated and called me homeostasis, you know, some form of equilibrium and maybe that is a byproduct a little bit of my childhood where like hey if things were cool that was good um so i i think i think happiness is an unfair bill of goods that we all think we're chasing but strangely especially being in so a lifetime of training and and sort of thinking about biology i think what they should tell us is that we're hardwired to be anxious miserable. We have certain biological habits that actually work against us in modern life and pay attention to those things and learn how to kind of move around how we naturally are versus, well, why, what's wrong with me? I'm not happy. It's like, well, I don't know if happiness is a place that we're all supposed to arrive. Um, peace, having clean relationships, having, you know, challenges, um, you know, these are the things that excite me, having a, a peaceful environment, having, you know, order, some form of order, these kinds of things. Um, happy, I think, is a misnomer. Peace, joy, these kinds of things sort of, I think, excite me a little more. Okay, I get that. So if we're hard, hardwired for things like anxiousness or maybe even fear, I mean, these are yeah. really anxious times for everybody. How do you personally deal with fear and anxiety and manage and cope with it? Uh, well, first, it's just being honest with how you're feeling, right? I think it's really important. Most people suppress or numb, right? Uh, numb with distraction or alcohol or, you know, whatever. I think it's really going like, huh, this is how I'm feeling today. What of this is in my control and what of this is out of my control? And then maybe look at the stuff you're in control of. I could sleep. I could wake up feeling good. I could eat well, I could be kind to people, I could exercise. These are the things I'm in control of. Um, COVID and, and all of these things, uh, you know, these things are out of my control. People being even aggressive, right? Like that's the other thing. Nobody in media is acting like adults. We see everybody fighting and bickering. At some point we have to go, okay, well, in a way I'm not really in control of that. Um, so again, it's, it's being honest with how you feel. If you have one person you can really talk to and then really getting clarity about what am I in charge of 
what's out of my control. I'm just going to keep faith, keep my head down and keep grinding away about the things I'm, I can control. I think that's so critical. Like literally every athlete that I've ever spoken to and every coach that I've ever spoken to for the past 30 years has said just that. I mean, this is hammered into you day one as an athlete and it applies to all of us in life. Like you can't get hooked and focus on things that are out of your control. There's enough to do in just locking on the things that you can control. You know, this bigger picture, I think, Gabby, that you're talking about, I've heard you discuss this too, the importance of mental health check-ins. I think this is what we're talking about. Like you check in with yourself, right? How often do you do that? I do it probably a few times a day and they're not monumental, right? I don't call in the cavalry or book appointments. I just sort of, if I have a moment, if I'm driving alone in my car or in the shower or whatever, I just kind of do a full internal scan and look at my life, my work life, my personal life, my romance, you know, my relationship with my husband how I'm feeling about myself, aging, like whatever it is, right, that we're navigating and say like, well, what's scaring me or what's making me anxious and and um, and who do I need to have a real conversation with, be it uncomfortable or not. And, and just kind of, we you know, we call it in our house, clearing the decks, just constantly checking that in. However, I will say this, sometimes we've moved into an era and I, and I understand we're in an overcorrection and we're also in a transition of everybody's talking about their feelings and it's sort of like bathing in the misery versus also leaning towards and looking for solutions that make sense for the individual. I'm not saying what works for me works for someone else, but there's another thing, which is it's, oh, I'm so miserable. It's like, okay, how many times can we hear that? So the other side of this is accountability and saying, okay, am I going to keep complaining and bitching about this? Or am I going to, what can I do to make this better? So I think you know, there's sort of a, a duality within that. Yes, ownership and accountability and stop pointing the finger. Hey, listen, do not let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or somebody just like me, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help you out. Man, this product is absolutely incredible. Theragun. It's a handheld percussive therapy device which releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The other thing about the Gen 4 Theragun is it doesn't just feel good, but it gets right to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or you have an injury or maybe it is just the stress of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. I use mine all the time. I absolutely love it. Meanwhile, Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid, also elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, and Maria Sharapova, plus hundreds of thousands of customers. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Just go to therabody.com reinvention right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. Once again, therabody.com slash reinvention, therabody.com slash reinvention. Now, like when you talk about checking in and you do it a few times a day, and then so maybe you're a little bit off in some way and then you recalibrate. What I'm curious about, how often is it a mental adjustment? And then how often is it like a physical one involving some movement? And does that help? Well, movement is sometimes just you feel ick and you don't like everybody or anybody and you're not fired up about anything, that could just be like a movement thing. And let's say, for example, I mean, I can give you an, a current situation. We, we, one of our businesses um, that we took public, um, you know, is growing exponentially, but we're getting our ass kicked at the moment on Wall Street, right? And it's uncomfortable and it's nothing that I can solve and fix. And I kind of know like I'm going to be sitting in this pocket for probably four to six weeks. So then there's even knowing like, this is going to kind of feel bumpy or it's going to suck for a minute. So just put it in its place. It's don't keep revisiting it every day. You know, someone's not sick and just kind of hold on and have faith. So if it's, ew, I'm off, I don't feel good. Um, I'm hormonal, whatever, bang it out can work out that can take care of a lot. It's the cheapest therapy I know. And if it's other things that have to get handled and if it's other things like, yo, we're just going to be sitting in this for a while, then you find the metal to deal with that. 
Gabby, this is what's so awesome and so cool about you. Like, we haven't even talked fitness yet. We're talking about all these other things that are so interesting and so important. And I'm going to get to fitness for sure. But I want to ask you this. One of the most important things I've learned over the years, and especially since I started this particular journey in this podcast, is this notion of standard over feelings or mind over feelings. For instance, we all have feelings, but are we our feelings? We are so not our feelings or our thoughts. I think, again, that's why I think it's really important to constantly be identifying because something is a cue sometimes for you to make a shift, even if it's in yourself, like, wow, I really overreacted or why did I get so angry there? That was an inappropriate response. So I can govern that or check in what's going on really, or, um, you know, or, or sort of just feeling, you know, like, oh, well, maybe I'm tired. And that's really what's happening. Maybe I'm scared. So I think it's it's really being clear with yourself and honest with yourself all the time, even the ugly stuff. It's like really be honest. And then and then again, it goes back to that accountability. What's mine to take care of? What's mine to say sorry for? for? What's mine to modify my behavior? Um, and then um, and have the courage to sort of also have those conversations with people in your life. Um, hopefully in a, in a articulate and tactful (laughs) way, Um, you know, towards, again, I'm always saying like, let's move towards peace. Let's move towards solutions. Not I'm going to say stuff so we can get into it um, and then just blow stuff up and not have a real thought about where do I want to go with this? Yeah, I agree with you. Like you have to have the hard conversations with yourself, with others, but we don't need to be like antagonistic and confrontational. I'm kind of curious, like you mentioned, and I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's it's just not my business. But then again, you and Lair do talk on your podcast and also about relationships. Like the two of you have been married 26 years and we're talking about two really, really strong personalities, two very intelligent people, two very motivated people, two really strong-willed people. Like the 26 years, I mean, I can't imagine that it hasn't been without challenges. Have there been challenges to overcome? And if so, how did you navigate that and work through that? Yeah, so absolutely. Listen, so we, we... In 2000, we almost got divorced. And I always say we were learning to dance. I was not very good at at, um, being confrontational. Laird is very good at that. He's also very good at apologizing. I was not, and that was my own fear, right? And so um, we literally almost got divorced. There were papers and everything. Um, And then um, Laird went through a a time where alcohol was a challenge. And so I'd say there was like a six day period in 2000, It's not like I don't remember, Um, you know, sort of 2007, where it was like, okay, you, meaning Laird, um, you have decisions to make um, what, you know, what you want to do. And so what, what I know about us is we, we have a saying, you know, you leave your sword at the door. If I'm entering into a friendship or a relationship or even a work relationship, how can I make it best how can I make it easy on you? How can I accommodate you? How can I show up for you? Because that's what I'm in charge of. Hopefully you're on the same page. If you're not like at a certain point, I'm not a doormat or an idiot. I would be like, yo, this isn't working for me. However, Laird on his own is like of service to the family, the relationship, because that's what he desires. So the other thing, I think the reason it works is each person has to make a choice. What's their code I try to tell my daughters this, what is your code? And if someone else is acting badly, you don't get to leave your code to respond to their badly. You can say, hey, this doesn't work for me. You can deal with it, but you have to commit to the way that you're trying to come to the situation. And so I honestly think that both Laird and I do that independently and bring that to the relationship. And I I think that's why it's worked And, and also, I'm not trying to be his mother. He's not trying to be my father. I'm not trying to change Laird. Um, that would be futile. Um, and and so I think it's it's also that strength, that kind of intensity we both carry also as a checks and balance. I think that's fascinating. You know, to be honest with you, I did not know that there was an issue of alcohol. Like I look at Laird and, you know, you, you just see like a stud. He's a stud yeah. and you're a stud in your own right and you two are but just so physical. And I understand this, like whatever, it's... Yeah, I understand. I didn't know that, but I wanted to ask oh, you about. Yeah, go I ahead. Mean, the al- Listen, the alcohol is important because so many people contend with it. Laird drank only Pinot Noir 
at night at home. It wasn't an out. He would get up at five and train like a lunatic. He's ridden some of the biggest waves of his life during that time. And he had some stuff and pain and things and shame, even maybe I think of like success and other things. And I don't think it's that uncommon. It was that he had to then make the choice, like maybe this isn't working, you know? And so he did. But um, I, I always say that's the thing I admire the most about Laird is the day he said, okay, I'm done lying to myself. That was literally it. Oh, 100%. I was definitely not going to sidestep that issue. I was going to ask you about that in oh. <laughs> terms of alcohol, because I, I, I have questions myself. Like, if he was a Pinot guy, like, was that all he drank? And then how often did he drink yeah. it? And does he not drink anything at all anymore? He doesn't drink anything at all. You know, that's the other thing. Laird was is completely been healthy the whole time, right? Like, very serious about his eating, very serious about his training. Right. It was Pinot Noir, um, and it was every day. And if they, God forbid, they like went on a snowboarding trip and they're, you know, it's like, then it was more. Um, and that's what was tricky about it. Cause it's wine. And, um, but it was, it was, a, it was a tool. It was an escape. And, and again, he would go to bed every day by eight 30, but there was this period this window in there. And, and that's, what's so tricky about it. Cause it was subtle and, uh, but it was real. Let me tell you. Now, this is a company that I cannot wait to tell you about, Overland. Overland is a family-owned American heritage brand that has put comfort and quality first for nearly five decades. They offer outerwear, accessories, and home decor made from sustainable natural fibers like sheepskin, leather, and wool. And then on top of all that, Overland uses expert craftsmanship to pair the highest quality merino sheepskin, which is naturally moisture-wicking, temperature regulating and antimicrobial with supportive memory foam midsoles in order to make slippers. Slippers that feel better and wear better for longer. In my opinion, the best slippers ever. And something else that really sets Overland apart is that they are one of the only brands in the world that use true double face sheepskin. So the suede you see outside is the same piece as the fluffy sheepskin that you feel inside. It's lighter, it's more breathable, and it means there are no synthetic materials which touch your feet. Everybody needs slippers, so they are also the perfect no-brainer gift. And Overland offers a 100% satisfaction guarantee, and their commitment to customer service is exceptional. So don't wait another day to slip into something way more comfortable. Get the very best, highest quality sheepskin slippers on the market at overland.com slash roam. You'll get free shipping and free returns, and I recommend you do it right now because these slippers are so beloved and they have been known to sell out quickly. Overland.com slash roam. Again, overland.com slash R-O-M-E. My personal thing, and I'll be transparent about this too, Gabby, like my, I've always approached alcohol this way, like since you and I first met. I, I go as hard as I can during the work week, Sunday to Thursday, and I don't drink at all unless there's a business meeting somewhere and then I'll kind of mirror maybe whoever I'm meeting with, but almost never. I never picked up a habit of having a glass of wine or a beer a night, but I'm going to be honest when I say this. I'll get caught up on Friday and Saturday for, quote, whatever I missed out on, and I'm going to have a cocktail, and I might have two cocktails, and they're probably going to be straight, and I've kind of talked myself into, yeah, well, you don't drink during the week. It's okay, and then, you know, I feel pretty good, but you know how this goes, right? We all know this. You feel like shit the next day. You don't feel good about yourself. There is a certain amount of shame, and then you run it back, and then you do it again, and then all of a sudden, a week is a month, is a year, is 10 years. So where do you come out on this? Because, and you and I could do nutrition for hours and hours is your feeling that you probably shouldn't drink at all period that it just that you shouldn't listen i'm not here not to, to judge i'm just saying like no, what it does I, to you I, and the thing is i grew up in the caribbean where everyone was drinking and that's why i never drank because i had there was a lot of alcohol lots and lots of alcohol and it was pretty destructive but i will say this i mean it's ethanol right so in the end game if i said would it be better not to drink of course, we all know that. There are people who get a lot of pleasure from it. Um, it takes the edge off. They're, in, they're sort of in charge of it. But it's a little bit like how we can sort of subtly use food to medicate, how we can use weird relationships to medicate, how we can use 
work to, to avoid certain things. It's, it's all about what relationship do you have with it, but certainly for our health, if you just said, Hey, straight across the board. Um, yeah, it's probably better not to. Yeah. I, I think that's all really interesting. So let me ask you this and I'm picking my spots because I don't want to take too much time, but this is such an awesome conversation. Fitness, fitness overall, what role does fitness play in your overall well-being? I want to remind my listeners, our listeners, that you were a professional volleyball player. You're an amazing athlete. You're still extremely active today. This is a big part of your business. What role then does fitness play in your overall well-being? Well, that gets scheduled into my day-to-day life like everything else. It's probably five to six days a week. And the thing is, I really, I want to say this because it's really important. Fitness should be like everything where I, I, I don't want to be obsessed with it. It's just I'm understanding that it's important because the problem is sometimes someone like me, um, you could go too far and then all of a sudden now you have a new thing that you're kind of obsessing about. So this is all about moving in a way where I'm touching hard every week, discomfort, right? It's, it's productive discomfort. It's positive discomfort. I'm not picking fights with people to get that energy. I'm using it in work. I think it's really an honest place to live. I think it helps your physiology. I think it helps with aging. Um, however, it's not, you can't be obsessed with it because now that's counterproductive of what you're trying to do, which is make the organism, the human, be it spirit, you know, spiritually, physically, emotionally work better. And that's it. So it's work better to do what? Move faster? Cool. Uh, get up from the couch? Great. Get into a hassle with a person? Fine. Make business decisions? Great. Whatever it is, it's to make that organism work better, not to be like, yo, I have like a 11% body fat. Now, so I, cause I, I know a lot of people who get like that and then they, they get off the mark. Then now they're wacky about that. So it's like trying to really make it as something that's, it's really a part of my life. It sounds to me like what you're saying is it's like the other things. It's a matter of your relationship with it, right? Your relationship with fitness or that person or your job or what you eat or what you drink. You know, I've also heard you say, this is really interesting, that you speak, you and Laird both believe that you speak of wellness like spokes in a tire. How does that work? Well, you know, Laird always said that. He goes, listen, it's everything you know, if a spoke is off or loose, the tire doesn't spin correctly. So what are the spokes in our life? It goes back, we said it earlier, connections, some kind of physical practice, trying to eat in a way that supports our mental well-being and our health, because we all have heard a million times about even your gut, right? Like, let's get keep mm. your gut straight, because it just makes feeling good easier, right? We, we know this, how our relationships are, how we treat people, when we get to bed, what we're watching, what we're listening to, are we engaged in gossip and talking a bunch of crap about people? It's like, all of those are spokes. And, and once we can, and it's, it's not about being, a, you know, so boring and perfect, but it's about saying how important is it for me? What kind of priority is it for me to be trying to function? Cause it's a challenge at my best self, I fall all the time, I blow it, um, whatever that is, but at least there's sort of a framework that I'm always kind of trying to build upon. So when you fall and you come off the path, do you, do you ever spend time beating yourself up or are you very quick to get right back on that path? No, I move through it. The thing that I'm most bummed about with myself is like, for example, if I go to some restaurant and they have like the best homemade, I was in New York last week and I was working and I was going in Brooklyn and I'm like, I'm in New York, I'm in Brooklyn, I'm eating pizza. So my point is, is it's not that it's not like that's a sin, but I'm like tomorrow it's, it's tidy, you know, we'll be cleaned up. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to enjoy this. The thing I get the most bummed about myself is if I get, if I, don't deal with something with a person well. Um, because if I do something crappy for myself, I can work it out with myself very quickly. It's when I get into a situation with somebody and I blow it or I don't handle it correctly. So now I've got to work it out with an outside person. And that always takes longer. And then I'm pissed at myself. Like, why am I in this idiot? You know, so um, it, that's the one that gets me the most. Cause really, cause of the drama, I can't, you know, I can't stand it. It's really interesting. So like, for instance, you've said also that your belief system is a reflection of the people who are in your world. How does that work? 
Well, I have, I mean, listen, I have, I, that is my, those are my treasures, right? Like my friends, the people, whether I see them often or not to be around everyone who's just trying their best and being willing to also say, Hey, this is hard. I'm flawed. Um, my house is nuts. Um, or, you know, people who are still learning or sharing. These are the things that I'm like, this is life. And it doesn't mean I don't like nice things. And I'm not talking about that, but that can't be like your God, right? And so it's having people around you that you're in a way secretly their high caliber keeps you accountable because you're like, you know what? I, it, would be, it would mean something if they respected me. And so I need to be a person that acts in a certain way that maybe they would. Uh, yeah, you want people that will make you better and that will challenge you and you can do the same to them. I'm curious, like, you don't think you're better than anybody. I know this, but you do hold yourself to a certain standard. Are there a lot of people that make you feel the way you want to feel, the way you're laying this out right now? Or is that a small circle? You know what's funny is wherever your eyes look, that's what you see. And so I meet a lot of really freaking cool people. And I have a built-in in my house of checks and balance with Laird, right? It's constant. Um, but I have the great fortune of, um, and, and also that's what I want to see in people, right? I'm not looking to be like people suck and all that. I'm really looking and not being naive, but I'm looking for what is special or different about people because um, what, what else would I spend time doing sure sure so let me ask you really quickly like nutrition gabby is like there's, there's a million things we could talk about but like does what we eat affect our moods a hundred percent the thing is there's so much science i would encourage people um there's a guy who can simply break it down for you i don't work with him i'm just just off the top of my head dr axe axe he's an easy one that talks a lot about microbiome your gut so everything you eat right it deals with your with your gut, but the, when your brain's developed, your gut's developed at the same time, they're almost like twins of each other. And if we can get to a sense of, you know, elevated moods, a good mood, so much easier if we take care of that. Um, if we eat foods that are highly processed, loaded with sugar, all these things, they're hard to digest. They make us feel tired and sluggish and moody. And so what's interesting is there's a lot of people walking around that think, oh, this is just how it is. Um, and the the other thing that's very important is, so as we age, I think part of the reason, yes, we age, our hormones change, things change, okay. However, we accept this one mentally, like, oh, that's just how it is when you get older. But two, what we don't realize is it's just been the accumulation of some maybe habits that we could do better. So when we're young, we go, oh, well, they can eat whatever they want. Yes, but they don't have the accumulation. So is there a way to offload? So get rid of inflammation, get rid of some of these things, clean up our guts, because there's no reason we can't sort of live, kick ass our own version, and then we move on. We don't have to feel miserable from 50 to till we die. It's like we bought into that and it's total BS and nutrition is very, very important. All right, so you mentioned gut health a couple of times. I have to ask you, like, for instance, I'm trying to push back. I, I feel pretty strongly that, yeah, I mean, father time is a mother you know, it just is, but it doesn't mean you give in or you give up and you try to push back. Like I would say to you, I weigh right now what I weighed in high school and I've worked pretty hard to get there and I feel great about that. Get like, I have such horrible gut health. It's just, it's terrible. It's always been terrible. It is terrible. Can you give me like just an idea or two? Where do I start? How do I improve it? Because it's bad and it's a problem. Wait, how do you know that it's not good? Because I feel like shit. I have a lot of pain and I've taken some things to address that pain. And it's been like that a long time. Okay. So what I, well, also you're very intense, Jim. So you have to also look at the emotional side of. Yes, you know, there is that. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. And I know that's part of it. You're right. Yeah. Like I would with you almost, and I am no, I am not qualified. I would say also some kind of practice when they talk about yin and yang that you also maybe need for yourself as sort of a softness. Um, and I understand this, I'm very linear and lean into things. So when, it, whether it's a breathing practice, I'm, I know you're probably rolling your eyes, some kind of meditation practice, some kind of softening because your intensity, which works really, really well. And I can put it in an analogy for you that was given to me. 
the hammer. It's worked very well for you in your life. It's awesome. You can do a lot with a hammer, but now it's time to wash the windows. So you need another tool. And so I think, you know, kind of maybe starting to engage a practice with a softening. Um, and I don't, I'm not getting woo woo, but it is woo woo. Uh, would be very helpful for you. Um, but if, of course, blood work, finding out, getting somebody who is a gut specialist. And honestly, I hate to say this, I'm not always quick to first go to the doctor who will give you a med that then you're going to be on for your whole life. There is ways to really heal the gut. Um, and I prefer that way. So blood work and then getting somebody who's qualified to do that. However, and adding this kind, you got to like unclench your jaw, if you know what I mean. Well, that is so helpful. That is so helpful because it's true. That's all true. And I still, I still clench my jaw. I know that I do. I I went to the dentist (laughs) and they're like, you you know, you grind your teeth. I'm like, yeah, I I guess. And I, and and then I caught myself doing it during the day, you know, not at night. So I think there's something to it. You know what, Gabby, part of the problem is like when you, you have a mindset and I've got my whole life thinking to myself, you know what? I'm really not that uncommon. I'm not that uncommon. The only thing that's uncommon about me is how hard I'm willing to work and how badly I want it. And that is my calling card. But you're right. It doesn't always serve you, right? Even if it got you you to where you are. Well, that's it. And it's also being self-aware enough to go, hey, Jim, like this is working, but I might be heading towards a wall. And so at some point, we either learn or we get course corrected in a very uncomfortable way. And rather than not seeing the cues because you're being given cues by, you know, the gods take the initiative to say, you know what, this is uncomfortable, but I'm going to find a way to either, you know, stretch 15 minutes a day, breathe deeply in and out through my nose. Cause a little bit of this is probably being in a fight or flight. And with you, it's probably fight. Um, and just kind of saying, wow, this is weird. Why, how am I that guy? But I think we have to do it because otherwise it's coming for us. And that why learn the hard way? Hmm. I think you're so right. I would finally say just really quickly, the fight. Yeah, there may be more fight than flight, although there is some flight. But the fight, strangely, or maybe not strangely, Gabby, it's not with the world or with others anymore no. so much. It's, it's me. I'm fighting me. I'm fighting me. And me is kicking my ass a lot of times. I think that's most of us. I think, Jim, I think... We are always, and you've heard this a million times, we can ask athletes or negative chat or whatever. We are all truly our own worst enemy, but there's the opportunity, right? See, that's the thing. There should never be shame around that. It's like, oh, wow, this is an opportunity. I can be better, different, learn. It's uncomfortable. I'm not even going to be good or know what to do. And I'm still going to give it a try because then that is really, if you ask me, that is the success, not, oh, I'm good at that and I'm comfortable, I do all that. Well, that's cool. The success is when you go, oh, I'm doing new stuff and, um, and I'm getting changes and I'm really uncomfortable. Absolutely love that. So a final thought, I, I want to go back to what you said when you said you're probably rolling your eyes, but breathing, and I'm not. Now, I'm not good at that, but I, I've spent enough time with enough people that I admire and I respect that are absolutely adamant that breathing is super critical to well-being. How, how and why is breathing so important to your overall wellness? Well, okay. I mean, besides it's the essence of life, it is a free tool we can do anywhere that your overall health, all-cause mortality, everything goes down if you learn how to breathe correctly. Most of, a lot of people are mouth breathing. So in 30 seconds or less, Everyone listening, unless you're running on a track and trying to recover from a sprint, you should be breathing in and out through your nose. And typically people take 20 to 30 breaths per minute if we can be taking five to seven. So deep into the belly, it's a three parts breath and out through the nose, slow, five to seven breaths a minute. We downregulate, we stay calm, we stay uh, you know, in our parasympathetic, our relaxed state, but also... What's important is you oxygenate your system, your mitochondria, the connection there. I mean, this is like the real S, the batteries of life. Um, You know, all of the kind of damage that we do living, stress, oxidization, all of these things, we can also help neutralize with breathing correctly. Hmm. 
So, Gabby, what time do you get up in the morning? Are you, you know how there's that no, mindset also. No, like, no, Are you pretty reasonable no, about it? No, 6.30. I'm almost offended growing, uh, waking up when it's dark. My husband loves getting up early. I'm like, why would you do that? Um, 6.30 for me. And then, uh, but we do go to bed early. I, I get, I try to get into bed by nine. My kids are bigger now too. When they were little, um, it was different, but my youngest is 13. She, you know, she probably outlasts us, but usually in bed by nine. I, I wish, right? I mean, that, that's, it's not easy, or maybe it is to get to bed by nine. I think that that's like the great elixir really quickly. So what's it yeah. like being a mom and how old are your other kids? Oh my God. My kids are big. I, my Laird came with a four month old who's now 26. Wow. Daughter. I have an 18 year old daughter. Laird and I have an 18 year old daughter and I have my third daughter is, is uh, 13. So, um, you know, that has been the most eye opening, humbling experience of all. I always joke that I'll probably, I'm starting to get the hang of it now that the youngest <laughs> is going to, you know, be moving out soon. I've learned to listen. You know what? A lot of listening and modeling. That's what I would say. Yeah, it's hard. So is the 18-year-old looking at colleges or is that not the path or what are you guys doing yeah. there? She's um, she's actually at a tennis academy in Spain, pondering, Ooh. trying to maybe play in college, finishing her senior year. My 13-year-old's completely defiant. She's totally built for volleyball, has said point blank, does not want to play volleyball. Um, so the kid, they're, they're really good, bright, strong-willed, um, non-compliant young ladies. That's <laughs> Super. Gabby, yeah, just absolutely awesome to get caught up. Your message is so powerful. It is so inspirational. I got so much out of this. Like, I will need to listen to this over and over again. If people listening want to reach out to you or learn more about your teachings and your work and your show and what you and Laird are doing, what is the best way to do so? I have a, well, I'm on Instagram at Gabby Reese. And then I have a, a podcast, which I try my best to get a lot of really smart people that offer solid takeaways in all areas, um, not only of health and fitness, but, you know, maybe business and such, um, called the Gabby Reese show. And, and people can always reach out to me and I, I do a decent job of, of responding and that would be better to go to my website, um, which is GabbyReese.com. It is just so awesome to touch base and connect and get caught up. And you shared so much valuable information and, and I don't take this lightly at all. I mean, that was a big ask. That was a lot of time that you just spent with me and with our audience. Gabby, thank you so much for that. Listen, Jim, it's my honor and it's a gift that anybody wants to talk to me. I mean, listen, I'm well aware. John McEnroe told Laird 15 years ago, don't be upset if people want to talk to you, be talk to you, be upset, <laughs> be concerned if they don't. So, I, you know, it's been 30 years, but I'm well aware that I'm fortunate to get to do what I do um, as my job. So thank you. Gabby, bleeping, Reese, if you need her, cool as bleep, smart as bleep insightful as bleep and i cannot lie i am so hyped on that conversation i want to drop an f-bomb i mean she's just that fucking awesome all right there sorry if i offended anybody truly i am but that was one of my biggest takeaways from that conversation with gabby be authentic be real be honest be accountable all right i will that was a fucking awesome conversation there was not a wasted second in that conversation, literally everything she said resonated deeply with me. I meant it when I said that's a conversation that I will go back and listen to over and over again. And I love that she and her husband, Laird Hamilton, believe that wellness is more than just movement and eating. Yes, it is those things, but they liken it to spokes in a wheel. And that movement and eating are only two of the spokes that go into wellness. And that, like anything else, if you're missing a spoke or two, that wheel, or in this case, your total well-being is going to be jacked up, right? Ever feel like you're riding that bike of life and someone jams a tire pump into your wheel while you're riding and you end up flying over the handlebars? So that analogy about the spokes in a wheel makes perfect sense to me. I also absolutely love this notion that Gabby shared of doing mental health check-ins with herself throughout the day. And if something isn't right, she'll make the necessary adjustment, either mentally or physically, with some sort of movement or both. It is so critical to monitor how we're feeling, what we're thinking, and that if we do get off path, don't beat ourselves up over it. Just acknowledge it. Self-correct. Get back on path quickly. Course correct. Lock back in. 
She also hammered home one of my favorite points, and it comes up almost every single episode, and that's the notion of standard over feelings, mind over feelings. Gabby was absolutely emphatic about that point, that while we all have feelings, we are not actually our feelings. Like, you can state that any number of ways, right? Standard over feelings, mind over feelings, we are not our feelings, don't be all up in your feelings, however you want to put it. Until you get your head wrapped around that concept, you're never going to be the person you want to be or live the life you want to live. I truly believe that is a fundamental precept and a core principle of the personal culture that I'm trying to develop for myself to ensure that my next 25 years are my best 25 years. You are not your feelings. Standard over feelings. If the standard is the standard, you will inevitably do what you know you're supposed to do because it's the standard. But... If you are governed by your feelings and your impulses, you're no longer calling the shots or in control. Then your mind is running amok, and more often than not, you'll make the wrong choices, you'll go down the rabbit hole again, and you'll get trapped in all the wrong spirals. So for the 32nd consecutive episode, standard over feelings. Also, Gabby espoused some other theories and principles that we have discussed here before, but She has a really different and unique manner in the way she breaks it all down. I thought she was especially strong in reminding all of us how critical it is to get comfortable being uncomfortable and to do things that scare us and to attack the unknown. I love also that she and Laird think that their belief systems are a reflection of the people who are in their world. I mean, can you imagine how different you and your worldview might be if you only surrounded yourself with people like this or only consume content? from people similar to this. Of course you'd be better. We should all aspire to be around people who make us better and aspire to be a person who makes others better. Honestly, I loved every second of that conversation and I did hate it when it ended. I hope you all got as much out of it as I did. And if so, why don't you reach out to Gabby on social media and let her know that and thank her for appearing on our pod. And if you could, feel free to share this episode and make sure you're subscribed if you're not already. And please do leave a review as that's always very helpful. I appreciate you all making time for the pod. Have an amazing Thanksgiving. And remember, life comes at you fast as hell. So be where your feet are and be grateful for all that you have and don't sweat what you don't have. You probably don't need it anyway. Have an amazing week and I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.